It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It was great. Um, loved the way the players approached the week. They came to they came to work um, knowing we hadn't put in a great performance last Friday night, and got to work. And um, yeah, we set the week up really well. They uh, yeah they they prepared themselves really well. And um, yeah, I thought it was back to one of our more you know, consistent performances of the year. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I was really proud of the players. Justin Longmuir there, the coach of the Fremantle Dockers after their Saturday afternoon win against the Western Bulldogs in the lounge room there uh, under the lid at Marvel Stadium where they tend to go okay and they went okay on the weekend. But Rory Lobb, uh, who was given... Ten votes by the coaches, five from each. Uh, he, best he, on ground. I thought Luke Ryan was he, the best. He wasn't the best. Luke, Rory Lobb wasn't best on ground. But, but, Probably, he, did, but he did well in front of his new employer, yeah, didn't he? He did, did well in front did, of his new employer. Didn't he say to them in a job interview, "Look, let's just <laughs> let's just put the uh, the black ink on the contract now because I can kick goals from fifty-five meters right on the boundary hey. line. No stutter. Don't worry about the blonde hair that shouldn't be here. I can kick four goals from seven kicks and be written up as best." He was not best on ground. What does it tell he you about mindset? He would have been a positive mindset and he thought, well, I could do this, yet he's been here at Optus Stadium at times where he couldn't hit the side of a barn. Could it be that it's a comfort zone when you're within an environment that you are really able to feel very confident in, within yourself? So your self-esteem is strong. His girlfriend, or his partner, is in Melbourne. Yeah. Has been for months and Only months and months. about six months, yeah. Well, she's been back here. She was over there last year when he wanted to get, o- get over to Melbourne or Eastern, Sta- mm. Eastern Seaboard. She came back home for the summer. She wanted to go back because the, the establishment was, well, let's just do what I can at Fremantle to get traded for next year. I even understand that one or two of people uh, around that circle of p- family in Melbourne have had a lot to do as a mediator in getting Rory Lobb's deal at the Western Bulldogs. Or St Kilda, if anything, fell over at the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. It's not going to fall over now, but for mine, not best on ground. Luke Ryan was best on ground. You can't be best on ground from seven kicks and 4-2. You lose a vote or two, surely, by missing the two. If he's had seven kicks and kicked six straight... Mm. then maybe, certainly second best on ground, but not Luke Ryan was best on ground. One thing I thought about Fremantle, Pete, was that they revitalised that style from early in the season. The opening four months of the season, or three months in particular, when when Fremantle were just very confident, very bold to run from defence. But it had a combination of something fresh and new as well. The the whole victory was set up at half... I thought at half-time, Fremantle aren't going to lose this. No. The Bulldogs had had been... not embarrassed, but they'd been embarrassed into a submission that Fremantle on the road were, were in total control of the game. And I thought it was very um, were commendable, the specific brand of ball retention that Fremantle established. Now, it was that kick-mark game. 
that's not entirely their preferred because it's a kick to a mark and then go is what was their brand when they ran to, what, uh, nine and two inside the first 11 and then 11 and, uh, and three, uh, 12 and three at their bye. That was a, it wasn't so much kick mark, hold the ball, wait, patient. It was on Saturday. And at half time, I thought it was just conclusive. Fremantle are going to win this as long as they come out and just keep playing the same way. At half time, uncontested marks, they'd had 73 to the Bulldogs 30. So the point being is they just wouldn't allow the Bulldogs to play their game. And the Bulldogs game, as we said last Thursday, high high possession, high retention to run the ball, handball, run. They run and handball and share the ball and run it forward quickly and score on the run. Their offense is their best means of defense. I thought Fremantle's game set up the capacity for Fremantle to work their way through. And we did say that if the Bulldogs had a real weakness, a vulnerability last Thursday, it was their defence. And therefore, when Lobb played his first half like he did, Tabner played his first half like he did, and the small crumbing forwards were chipping in with goals at the opportunities that were coming in, that was what they set up their, their, their win. I thought it was very impressive. And I thought also, just in closing, Pete, that their defenders played a massive part in that as well. The sharing of the ball of Ryan... Clark and Chapman especially. So Luke yeah, Ryan, they were very good. combined best on ground. Clark, one of the best on ground contenders. Heath Chapman, certainly one of Fremantle's better players. 32 possessions, 26 disposals and 24 disposals. And 36 marks between them. Uh, uh, their back line held strong. And, of course, Griffin Logue proved again a, a great swingman well, that he is for the Dockers in 2022. Let's just go to Lisa. She's been waiting uh, patiently on the line. Uh, hello, Lisa. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, um, Pete and, and Kim. Um, the, the only shining light that came out of um, the Bulldogs was young Sam Darcy, um, Luke Darcy's son. Yeah, I, thought yeah. he, I thought he played a brilliant game, that young kid, um, and I think he's going to be a big asset to, to the Bulldogs. Um, just, just on Josh Kendi, before I get, got, get on to a couple of things that I've heard, but it's bubbling around the place. Um, Josh Kendi, what a way to bow out. Eight goals, just absolutely sensational. And the guy's just a legend and a, and a champion. And um, he's just going to be so sorely missed around that club. And just quickly on JK too, I heard Scoey on the radio yesterday saying that um, he was really battling with that knee and he was mm. having fluid taken out of his knee mm. um, some, once a week or even twice weekly to, to get him back on the park. So he's, he's, done, a, he's done a bloody good job getting out there. So and also too on the, on just on the Eagles, I can't believe that um, Simo's already coming out making excuses about um, you know the, the Eagles probably won't be turning up on on Saturday to play the the Derby um, because of the six game you know six day uh, turnaround. Yeah. And I, I you know for a coach, I think that's pretty poor um, coming out and saying stuff like that. And um, also too, their conditioning program needs to be seriously looked at next year. And the players need to be told that you need to come back in better nick after yeah. the break. Well, no, fair the call, Lisa. was that? Thanks, Lisa. Yeah, anything else you wanted to throw out? Because I've got a view. Yeah, on I that. just wanted um, also to there's just been a couple of things that have been bubbling around. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I want to touch on um, I've heard a whisper that Willie Rioli um, has um, supposedly come out and said he wants to um, explore his options elsewhere, which I find <laughs> pretty bizarre and laughable. After what the Eagles have, you know, held the, um, his place open mm. there after what it, what he'd done, and also too, I've heard that Dean Cox and um, his family are wanting to come back to Perth, and that um, 
Simo could be um, heading back to the ruse and Coxie might be taking over. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know whether you've heard anything on that, um, Haggers, or not. All right, good on you, Lisa. We'll discuss we'll discuss those in a couple of minutes' time if we could, because um, we just want to. Fo- I, fo- I just want to focus on the Dockers for the time, and then we'll yeah. come back to those bubbling issues. Okay, then. But what you say, yeah, Lisa sort of has got a finger on the pulse. She's yeah. got a, hasn't got a bad network. One thing I'll say, okay, let's let's broaden this to everybody as opposed yeah. to just West Coast. Lisa's comment about you know go away and come back in trim condition. That doesn't work if they don't. You've got to make sure that you, we are going to make you. We're going to put you in trim condition. You will follow this program. You say to a bunch, of, and at any level of sport, you say to any bunch, come back fit. Don't come back unfit. You've lost him if they come back unfit mm, because mm. it's too late. You lose two months of, of uh, holiday. So that's one area where I reckon West Coast. Conversely, this is one of the reasons why Fremantle are where they're at with what they did last summer. From the moment they finished last season, a bunch of those kids, driven by Caleb Sarong, mostly. Andrew Brayshaw's talked about as the future captain and Darcy, uh, big Sean Darcy, he's a big ringleader. He trains hard. You know, he'll do everything, the big ropes, the weights, he'll run. But Caleb Sarong was the one who kept saying to the whole group, come on, boys, we've got it. This was during their holiday. Mm. While West Coast, all their old blokes put their feet up. <laughs> all their old blokes came back to training and it was too hard. So they'd sit on the side. They'd do the rehab. This is why one of the this is one of the major reasons why Fremantle are where they're at, and why they revitalised their footy on Saturday. It was much more like what they did in the first three months of the season, which was a very fit, healthy, hard running, ball sharing bunch of blokes who'd done it all summer and said, "We're going to have a big year. We've got to have a big year." Two thousand and twenty-two. Sick of missing finals six years in a row, and it was a massive help to the management and certainly the coach and the coaching staff because their players took it upon themselves. The ownership, I think, is the is the expression. Okay. Now, there's a lot of Texas coming through. We're going to go to one in just a moment. But, Haggers, when you beat Melbourne, you beat Geelong down in Geelong, mm. you've beaten the Bulldogs who were last year's grand finalists, you've beaten Brisbane. All of a sudden, Frio had the ability to knock over the top sides this season. So, all of a sudden, people are thinking – they should get the Eagles next Saturday evening. And it's going to be a wet Saturday, by the way. So get ready for another wet game of football and whether the Dockers can stand up in oh, those Fremantle conditions. Fremantle still win that. And, and then they go and take on GWS, who yeah. probably would have checked out. So they're going to win their final two games. Before we go to some of these texts, out of respect for the people that have sent them through on the temper of bedshed text line at 0487 736 736, can they in your calculations, get into the top four or will they fall just shy? I think they'll fall shy. And we've been saying this for a couple of weeks. And uh, and I, I did make some of this assessment. I thought the Bulldogs would be better. One thing in closing on the Bulldogs, I thought they were really poor after half time. But I think this was because of the way Fremantle were forcing them to play. Because even around the midfield, I thought Sarong and Akers on his wing, Monday again. Mm. Monday again? He doesn't again, want to go. Again, no, well, literally. <laughs> he I've heard he's really dirty. I've heard he's really dirty. But he had a good yeah. game. Uh, Brody, to a lesser degree, he didn't have as many possessions, 17. But the way they worked the ball around the midfield, uh, it was forcing the Bulldogs when they did win possession because there was still then a physical harassment. When they didn't have possession of the ball, I thought the Bulldogs were really guilty of shocking disposal forward. They kept bombing the ball long. And that's what made the likes of Ryan and Cox, to a lesser degree, and Pierce. 
to, to a large degree. Mm. They didn't get the big numbers, Cox and Pierce, but they were able to destroy the ball or take the uncontested marks and work the ball back through their defenders. So I was really disappointed with the Bulldogs really bombing the ball, almost conceding. We're getting done here. Yeah. Let's get this one out of the way. I still don't discount them. The Bulldogs, I don't think you can get in with 12 wins. I think you'd They're need more than that. six points out at the moment, aren't they? Well, no, yeah, six points behind Richmond. I think Richmond will beat Hawthorne and Essendon, and that's that keeps them in. They so keep, they get yeah, 54. Yeah. They'll, finish, they'll finish seventh or eighth. I think Carlton are in massive trouble. Carlton have got Melbourne and then Collingwood. And Carlton, for the first three quarters yesterday against Brisbane, were just disgusting. That yeah. was pathetic from a team that is ranting and raving about a top eight, top four contenders, this sort of stuff. So I still think Fremantle chasing Brisbane and Sydney and Melbourne, they're two points behind all of those. I think Brisbane can beat St Kilda, then they've got Melbourne. I think Sydney can beat probably Collingwood, then they've got St Kilda. And Melbourne have got Carlton and Brisbane. So Collingwood have got Sydney and Carlton. I think Fremantle finish fifth or sixth, okay. probably fr- fifth. We'll get to all these checks after the break. Don't go away. There's plenty bubbling under the surface. For Toolmart, the complete tool centre, this is Drive with Peter Vlahos and Kim Hagdorn on this AFL Review Monday night.